Praise God. Father in heaven, we thank you for this opportunity to come before your throne of grace. May we find mercy and grace to help us in our time of need, Father. We need so much from you. It's it's evident every day how much we need you, how much we depend on you, and we love you, Lord. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, for your sacrifice. You've, you've given it all for us already, and we're so grateful. We just want to live up to your expectation of us, and so we endeavor to hear your word today and, and uh, purpose in our hearts to obey your word every day. We thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen, and praise God. Amen, amen, amen. So we're going to, um, I thought we'd talk about something a little different today. Yesterday we did um, uh, talk about, um, <laughs> what we talk about? <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 I remember now. <laughs> I was going to cue Miss Dion Warwick, please. When in doubt, sing what the world needs now love you know what i'm saying hey whatever so uh well that's like you know in church is an a and b selection amen <laughs> For some people it's what the world needs now so uh but yeah we 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 did talk about that and uh talk about how important it was for the woman with the issue of blood to process uh and meditate with the Holy Spirit on how she was going to get healed. And that's so important for us because many times God, you know, God will meet us where we are. If your your faith says Brother Hagen's seven steps to something or, or you know, Benny Hinn's, you know, whatever steps to this and that and the other, and your faith is there, God will honor that. But there are sometimes God will put you on a journey where he wants to open up something totally new to you. And we have to be open to those things because God is yet doing new things in the earth. Um, the book has been written, but not everything's been fulfilled. And so God wants to make sure everything is fulfilled that is written in the book. And so he needs people who are willing to just trust him and, and go with his lead by faith and not question a whole lot of things. Um, just, you know, receive in your heart what God is saying that, that he wants to do and how he wants to use you and how he wants to, to bless humanity through your efforts. And, and so it's just real important, I think, for us to have that personal, uh, one-on-one with God in your mind. You know, you don't have to make a big deal out of it. Just let him be your meditation. Let him be in your thought life. And and I really believe the woman with the issue of blood began to confront some things that were holding her back. It was the law. It was the the regulations that kept her unclean and kept her from getting to someone spiritual who could help her. And once she made the decision, she was going to just move that obstacle out of the way and just go straight for Jesus. She got what she needed. And so I think that's really the lesson from yesterday is to just push all of the obstacles aside and go straight for Jesus. What's his word tell you? Uh, what is his will for you? His will is health and healing, you know, and, and really our covenant, you know, covenants in the past were token covenants. You know what I'm saying? Like if when blood was shed, uh 
that person that shed the blood recovered. They just shed the portion. It was a token. But Jesus made total payment up front for everything. He shed his, he poured out his total life. So it's not like it's a promise. If In that respect, it's a done deal. See, because we have tokens that hold us in in promise, hoping that that person that promised will fulfill it or they forfeit whatever it is that's on the line. He already gave it. So it's not like he's promising us something, and if he doesn't come through, he'll take his life. That's what a, a usual covenant is. It's it's a life for a life if you forfeit. Well, he already gave his life. So there's nothing to forfeit. See, this is then so that makes it not a promise, but it's a done deal. See, the forfeiture price has been paid up front for us for everything. So simply now our part is just to believe. Amen. Y'all get what I'm saying? It's it's like, you know, the mafia is like clear on my grandmother's eyes. You know, well, well, we believe you'll do it. You know, we'll leave grandma alone. You know what I'm saying? You go that deep. You know, we just believe you're going to do it. If you don't do what you do, we don't want grandma. You understand? Well, she ain't going to help us. But see, with the, a, a blood covenant that's already been spilled out, the forfeiture price has been paid already. So he's not going to renege on it because he gave his life already. You understand what I'm saying? So we can strongly believe. We can have strong consolation. We can have, we can be fully persuaded. You know, it's possible to believe God for things without ever wavering. I mean, what's to stop you? (laughs) Amen. He's already given his life. So there's no possibility that he would renege on that. There's no possibility that he would walk away and not heal you. There's no possibility that he would not save your family and deliver your children from all destruction. There's no possibility that that would ever happen because he's already paid the price of forfeiture for everything that we need. So we need never fear that God's not going to do something, that he's in question. He's already sealed the deal. It's already paid for. There's no disputing his intent. His intent is to bless and to heal and to prosper and to provide and to protect. All of that, his, 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 his intent is strong in the earth. That's why you can go in the devil's face and tell him, let my kids go. They don't belong to you. Amen. Amen. Let everything, I, I'm, it's backed by his blood that's already been shed. He's already forfeited his life in exchange for me to get the things that I need that pertain to life and to godliness. And so once you step into that arena of understanding what God has for you, then any serious doubt has to poof. Amen. Like all these crazy witches running around here today. I don't know where these empty chair people are today, but I'm going to find out. Better not catch them dressing with no green paste on their faces. And I thought I saw a broom parked out there in the parking lot. Poppy, I ain't sure. I'm going to go investigate for the day is over. 
<laughs> Praise God. <laughs> but our God reigns. Amen. Amen. The devil can kick up his dust if he wants to, but our God reigns. He's in control. So we're going to talk today about the reward of believing. All who believe get the reward. All who believe God get the reward. Amen. It's um I thought it would follow three people that that were kind of connected together uh, through a similar circumstance. Um, but in Hebrews 10:35, it tells us this about your faith, about your confidence in God. It says, don't throw away your confidence. Cast not away your confidence. It's familiar scripture to us. It says, cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. For you have need of patience that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. So here you have faith needing the helper of patience to carry us through across the finish line. Amen. He says you have need of that. That's that's what's missing many times. You know, we don't like to stretch out with our faith. It, sometimes we don't trust ourselves. You know, if 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 you don't if you get too comfortable, you think, well, I should be praying for something. I should be <laughs> I ought to be doing something because it ain't here yet. You know, and, and so patience then will come in. See, faith doesn't wait. Patience does. So there's a part of you that's eager for it, and that's your faith. But then patience comes in to stretch your faith out over a period of time that it takes for the season to ripen for the entrance of that promise in your life. Amen. And so when we talk about faith, it does need a helper. Number one, it needs work. What's the main work of faith that we do? It's confession. See, you've got to say what you believe or it ain't coming to you. Amen. So the main work of faith is or the initial work of faith is the confession. Amen. And don't be shocked if if you get uh, some rebuke by the enemy once you start confessing the word. He don't want to hear it. And he certainly doesn't want you to believe it. And he doesn't want you to continue to believe it. He wants you to be a, 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 a short fuse fizzle out type of believer. Amen. If it doesn't come when you think it should, you get mad at everybody, mad at the saints, mad at God. Oh, I ain't mad at God. Yes, you are. Or you be, or you be looking for patience to endure. Huh? Somehow somebody made you think he was your errand boy. <laughs> like he works for you. But that would be a no. Huh? We work for him. Don't get it twisted. Huh? Well, you got to do what God says. He don't do what you say. He don't have mother, father, amen, wife, cuz. He don't have none of that stuff. Nobody to boss him around and tell him what to do. Cause he got all by his staff. Amen. Need no help. Certainly doesn't need ours. We need his help and we need to be diligent 
in paying attention to what he tells us to do so that we can receive the things that he's got laid up for us. You got to believe it's stored up for you. You know, sometimes we skip the essential parts of our teaching and, and the word and doctrine and all that. We we skip the essential parts. And we want to skip over it and, and make it like it's an instant thing. Amen. But it's not. You've got to believe that what you're believing for is real. It's laid up for you already. So there's no question as to whether or not God wants you to have it. He wouldn't have laid it up for you if he didn't want you to have it. He's an intelligent God too. Amen. So, so, and these things are, are provided for us from the foundation of the earth. Which means, let me put it to you this way. It, which means your bad behavior, no praying, no confessing, no obeying, no believing, no giving, no tithing, no self is not going to cancel. It's still laid up for you. You got to figure out how to get it released to you. That's your job. Amen. It is a 24-7. Trust me. Amen. Because God has has given us these things. They are stored up for us. They are in glory. They actually do exist. We're not waiting on guys. It's no shock to God that your bills is late again. Huh? There's no shock to God that you don't have enough in your account to, to cover everything. He's already laid up provision for you. He'd rather give you something whether you feel you deserve it or not than let the devil put you out on the street. But so many Christians wind up there because they don't believe. They don't believe. If he don't give it, that's your stuff laid up there. If he doesn't give it to you, who's it for? What's going to happen to it? How shall we escape as we neglect so great a salvation? So most things that that we desire and, and maybe don't receive or don't get is more our neglect of believing that God has them laid up for us. If they're laid up for you, they belong to you. There's no question. If he laid it up for you now, he's going to wonder if he's going to give it to you or not. Give me a break. Huh? You know, parents, when you start buying Christmas gifts for your children, you get them into the house and you get their names on them. Well, them, them shoes, Johnny, you know, he he in high school almost now and he wearing a 13 shoe. Well, little Moses, he ain't go. He ain't but seven years old. He ain't gonna wear Johnny's thirteen shoes, so they're laid up for Johnny. Nobody else can wear them. Nobody else. Their intent is is for that individual. They're not for anybody else but you. Amen. And we have to be confident in these things. None of your needs that you tell God you need are a surprise to Him. In fact, he's the one who inspires you oftentimes with the things that you want. Unless you're crazy enough to want something that belongs to somebody else. But you scared to believe he got your own stuff for you? This is the only reason we covet. Huh? Huh? 
Don't leave it for the cleanup woman. <laughs> Come on, y'all. It's laid up for you. It doesn't fit anybody but you. Your husband ain't going to nobody's house tonight but yours. Ain't that crazy. (laughs) Am I right, Poppy? (laughs) We cue Mr. Marvin Gaye. Can I get a witness? Everybody else in here trying to be quiet. Holding their breath, wondering where this is going. I'm going where the Lord say go. I got to circle the block, circle back, circle a block several times to get there. We go get there. Amen. But you got to be confident in this, that God has it for you and only for you. And once he speaks that thing to you, either through you reading the word, he speaks it to your heart. If it even if it's a prophecy, he's still got it. it's got to come into your heart in order for it to be real, you know. And so once that word comes into you, then you grab onto it with all confidence, because if you don't let go, it will surely come to pass. And so he says, don't throw away your confidence. You've got need of patience that after you have done the will of God. Well, I thought I was doing everything I said. Yes, you to comment. This is listen time. After you have done the will of God. What that means? Oh, now you're talking. Now you're paying attention. Find out what he wants you to do. It's probably something totally unrelated to what you think you're waiting for. But it's related. Because it's spiritual. Everything spiritual has a connection. He says, for yet a little while, and he that shall come will come, and he won't tarry. And so the justified live by faith. Amen. So when that promise is due, it won't tarry forever, or it won't be put off forever. There's a due time for it. And the one who promised it to you is faithful. And he will come. He will come and he will deposit into your life that which you are believing him for. Amen. So you need patience to endure the passing of time. God has given you all the fruit of the spirit to sustain you in this journey. You have you have patience. You have meekness and and gentleness. You have love and kindness. All of those fruit of the spirit minister to us. Got to let the fruit minister to you. You got to partake of it and bring it into your being, bring it into your spirit. We're supposed to be maintained in righteousness every single day. You know, you shouldn't have an off day where you I just worried. I don't know why. I'm so worried. I just so worried. I so sure because you want to. Huh? We get these crazy old habits. We are used to getting attention because we have problems. Uh-huh. Well, God's got answers. So which one you want? Uh-huh. Which one do you want? Amen. Galatians 6, 9 is another important scripture to hold on to in using your faith. Amen. Using your faith, 
you you have to have some support, have some, you know, I know it's important to confess the promise you're believing for, but you got to meditate on that promise and see how God processes that for you to make, have it make sense to you. And, and, and you can be helped and you can be comforted. You can be peaceful. Um, you can have all the good fruit of the spirit nurturing your spirit, nurturing your soul in the waiting process. You're not sitting on the edge of your seat holding your breath and waiting for God to bring you something before you get happy. Happy to ran past you 15 times today and you never grabbed on to him. Huh? I be glad when I get so and so. I'm gonna glad now. I'm gonna laugh at you and grab your stuff when it come again. In fact, when glad pass us again, I'm gonna grab yours. It's a truth. <laughs> so anyway, Galatians six and verse nine. <clears throat> he says. Verse 7, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. In other words, if you want right, do right. If you want good, so good. And expect good. This is why a lot of times people doubt. They don't know what they sowed. Huh? Well, let me think now. When's the last time I did it right? So you got to stay engaged in the realm of the spirit so that you uh, tend your garden. Amen. There's attending to the promises, to the faith that's inside of us that we have to do. You got to take care of your faith. You can't run around and, and get in the flesh and cause trouble and engage with people and calling up so-and-so because you heard they said something about you. Well, people ain't thinking about you. And if they are, they ain't got as much sense as you got. You got God and they probably don't. And you all upset about something they say. Get a grip on yourself. Well, see, none, none of the saints ever call me. Change your conversation. Oh, that hurt real bad, Pastor Brown. Well, I'm just real sorry. No, I'm not. Huh? God is not mocked. In other words, this is an automatic law. Whatever you put out there is coming back to you. Not only coming back, it's going to be increased. Because what we do is a seed. What we get back is the plant. That's for those people who always say, well, I didn't think it was that bad. <laughs> you know, I didn't think it was that bad. It was pretty bad. So it's good to live a life of of seeking to please God. You know, stay in your word. God, what do you want me to do today? Huh? Same thing he wants you to do yesterday. Go clean up your room. Go cook for your family. Just, you know, basic common sense things. God is well pleased with things like that. He's not pleased with anything else. You understand me? So we talk about sowing and reaping. Look at what you do with your time. 
What do you do with your time? Do you include God every day? First thing when you get up, God, what do you want me to do today? Because, see, I'm looking for the biggie. I'm looking for something that's going to come into my life that's going to impact it for many generations. I'm looking for something that's going to be world-changing. So in order for me to change the world, I got to let God change me first. And I got to live a changed life. I got to live a life endeavoring to please God every single day. Amen. And just come face to face with him every day. God, what is it you want me to do? Amen. Don't keep asking him over and over again. This is what I say. Be in the process of doing something you know that's required of you when you ask him that question. And he'll give you a decent answer. Amen. And do the things that are pleasing in his sight. And then you can always look for good to come to you. You can look, you won't be wondering, well, I didn't do this. When did I do that last? And when, well, I don't know why my promise won't get here yet. See, you don't want to live life like that. That's not a justified life. To just live by faith. You live by faith every day expecting good to come to you because you've sown good. And when you make mistakes, you ask God's forgiveness and you let him cleanse you from all unrighteousness and you get up and you get on the road again. Amen. He's You don't do him any good sitting down, feeling bad and wondering what you did bad for four weeks. You need to confess what it is, get it out the way and get up and do better. That's the Christian life. That's it right there is endeavoring to please God in every way. Not certain things you think you want to do. Everybody thinks, well, I'm going to go out and witness and pray for people. No, witness to your house. Huh? Make that comfortable and presentable and and nice. Make it uh, something that people want to to feel comfortable in and, and make the remarks. I don't know what it is about every time I come in here, I just feel peaceful. That's the report you want. Amen? Nothing wrong with that. But see, if if that's that's not what your plan is as far as sowing, you got to change your plan because that's important. What's important is what you do to present God to the outside world. Amen? And it had, doesn't have anything to do with having the biggest, the, 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 whatever, the most opulent, all that kind of stuff, but it has to do with the environment you keep, create by the, the love you sow into the deeds that you do. You gotta be a giver. And I mean giving everything. Time, talent, energy, whatever. You, you've got to think in terms of your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. And whatever, so a sacrifice doesn't tell God what they want to do. You do what God tells you to do. Amen. So God is not mocked. He ain't playing with us. You understand? Whatever you sow, that's what you reap. You don't like what you have? Change what you do. Amen. And he says, for he that sows to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. Well, that's pretty clear. He that sows to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting or things that are enduring or things that are good, things you enjoy. 
Amen. And plenty of it. We serve a God of abundance, not little bit, barely. (laughs) And it says here, and don't get weary in doing good. That's the devil's playground. Looking around and seeing who else doing something. Uh, You may be the only one. That don't mean you quit doing it. Amen. You know that's right in your heart to do. You go do it. He says, and don't be weary in well-doing for in due season, there's a season when it's due and a season when it's don't. We trying to get due and don't season. You got to trust God for the due season. See, this is about trusting him that he's fair, that he's just, that he loves you, that he's helping you, that everything that's out here for you, he's already ordained it and it's on schedule to come into your life. You just got to live for him. Amen. And prove to him that you love him. He said, if you love me, do what I tell you to do. Keep my commandments. Love people. Show how much you love them. Amen. Do what's expected of you. Don't let people down. Amen. I would have done so and so, but your butt's too big. Y'all wake up. I wouldn't have to do that if y'all. Am I right, Poppy? Do what I, the girl, girl gotta do what a girl gotta do. Tough crowd, these Halloween gatherings. You know, get rid of the excuses in your life. They, you'll so, you'll reap excuses. Huh? Pay attention to the scripture now. Don't be deceived. What you sow, you reap. You sow excuses, you reap excuses. People say, oh, I, I wish I could have got that for you, but I was doing so. So this is why you don't get tired. Of waiting, you don't get tired of praying. You don't get tired of believing God. You don't try to call your own due season on a promise, because you're already reaping such goodness in your life. See, in order for you to get tired, you have to live in the realm of tiredness, and that's not the kingdom. When you sow good, you have enough good in your life to enjoy that you don't even, you're not even aware you're waiting for something else God promised to do for you. You're not sitting on pins and knees, needles wondering when, when some, when is this door going to open for me and when am I going to do this and when are we going to get this and you don't live like that when you live for God. Your life is full of good things. Your life is full of goodness. In fact, you have enough goodness to give away to somebody else. Amen. You live in the overflow. So you don't, you're not concerned about, oh, when am I going to get so and so? When is this? What? what? Huh? 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 
because you're already sowing good and you live in a good environment. You live in a good atmosphere. So if you don't like where you are, change what you do. You're in total control of what comes into your life. You have, you're in total control about how you feel about your life. And there's no reason to get tired of doing the right thing. I always tell people, if you're tired of doing the right thing, you ain't been doing it long enough. Huh? Because when you're doing good, you you drop tired off at the corner. And you unload him real quick. You don't carry him around. When you're doing good, you don't have you don't have room in your life for tired. Amen. And you don't have room in your life for counting days and months and time and all that. You just live for what you live for. Amen. Time means nothing to you. So God wants us to remember these two things. Not get tired in doing good. If you're tired, start doing more good. Because if you got room enough to carry tired around, you ain't doing enough. Your hands aren't full yet. Amen. And so it's, it's somebody, uh, Brother Lester Summerall, late Lester Summerall, any of you remember him, know him. Um, he was an apostle to the world. He did so many miraculous things for God, you know, just going where God sent him. He didn't wait for somebody to invite him somewhere, wasn't looking at his mailing list, all that crazy stuff. People who live by faith don't live like that. And there's so few of them, we don't even recognize what, that that's what they're doing, living by faith. But anyway, he would oftentimes, uh, you know, when he would have ministers meetings, they would invite him. Oh, Brother Summerall, we've got a lot of ministers here that want to want to learn from you and all that kind of stuff. And the first person that asked a question usually was sorry he asked. Some some guy asked him, what do you do about jet lag? And Brother Summerall said, I shot him years ago. Next. You understand what I'm saying? When you're around people like that, don't don't try to think of cute questions to ask. Just keep your mouth shut and listen. You might learn something. Amen. But this is how you live by faith. You just kill and remove the things that are hindering what where you're going. You get them out of the way. And you don't allow people around you who want to give you a lot of advice all the time. If you don't know where you're going, somebody else probably cannot help you a whole lot. You can find that out from God. So if we are not to get weary in well-doing, what are we supposed to do? You're supposed to rejoice. and I'm doing good. This is what I live for. See, you're not living to receive something you're praying for. You're living to live for God. And there's a reason to rejoice every day. Because God is with you. He's in you. He approves of you. You're not tired. You're not waiting on anything. You have everything you need. Amen? You always do. So in Luke chapter 1, we're going to start with our people that I told you we'd talk about. Now that everybody's awake, sober, leading a little bit, whatever. I don't, you know, whatever. So Luke chapter 1, and this is... Um, talking about the circumstances around the birth of Jesus. Amen. Luke chapter 1, I think it's, we're going to talk about Zacharias first of all. 
he believed God for something many years ago, <clears throat> apparently, and this is his due season. So the Bible says don't get weary in well-doing. In due season, you will reap if you don't faint. And so Zechariah in, in Luke chapter 1 and verse 13, uh, it says here, Start in verse 5. It says, There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abia, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. So these were legitimate descendants of Levi or Aaron. Amen. And they were both righteous before God. So they were devout people. They kept the commandments. They did what God expected of them, walking in all the commandments and ordinance of the law or the Lord blameless. These are the kind of people God looks for when he's going to do something earth changing or world changing. You got me? I don't care how many world changing conferences you go to and how many people pronounce you a world changer. If you ain't living like this, you ain't changing nothing. You just got potential. But see, God can get you to live like this. If He, you let him change you to live like these people did, then you're a world changer. See, they're living a changed life. You have to live in the life that God is bringing into the world. You got to live in that before it gets here for everybody else. So you got to be a Christian that doesn't compromise. If you're a woman preacher, you can't be putting on a fashion show every time you step up in the pulpit. Go get your robe. You know, I know that's not real exciting. Huh? <laughs> well, you know, we should have as much sense as people in the world do. Now, a robe represents a calling. It represents an order. It represents a position it represents something you understand what i'm saying i know we 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 are from the people and we kind of dress ordinary but there's a difference between wearing a robe robe and and dressing like they do in the club you understand what i'm saying nobody came to church to see how you were dressed today at least i hope not amen and and you know but if you look at it Women judges would not come into their into the courtroom without that robe on. Because that robe represents their authority, represents their uh, their uh, abilities. It represents the job they have to do. The most the women do is maybe put a lace collar around it to distinguish male from female. And that's as much as they modify. They wouldn't change that for anything because they worked hard to get there. And it means something to them. You know, if you're, if God really puts you somewhere, you've worked hard to get there. And you need to maintain the Lord's order and dignity when you get in that spot. You understand what I'm saying? I'm going to leave that alone now. But, but that's, but you know what? We, we, we get the wrong idea about too many things. But I'm going to tell you, there's a payoff for living for God. There's a payoff for living holy. There's a payoff for paying your bills on time when you could go spend the money to impress somebody with something else and and let your bills go slack. There's a payoff for living in integrity. 
And so many believers never get there. Then they're always mad because, you know, they got a gift and God won't open doors. Well, your righteousness opened doors for you. You live right. Right will come to you. Amen. So he says these two lived in all the ordinances of the Lord blameless, but they had no child. Because Elizabeth was barren and they both were now well stricken in years. Now, in that, in that day and age, they lived so close to the law, they would, would, would put a reproach on a woman who didn't have children because supposedly there was some curse in her life. You got me? You can look like you're cursed to man, but be blessed by God. I'm going to say it again. You can look like you're cursed to man, but be blessed by God. Amen. It says here there was no reason for a curse on their life. But God had shut up her womb. But she continued to serve God blameless. She could have been bitter. She could have been, well, God, we do everything right. And how come we don't have no kids? And how come so and so? She could have been like that. But she wasn't. Amen. She maintained her righteousness because that was much more important than anything else God could give. That she was right before God was everything. God uses people like that. I'm just real sorry. He don't use sloppy people. He doesn't use con people, slipshod people. People want to live as millionaires and billionaires. And most of their congregation is, is, (laughs) don't let me go there. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office in the uh, of God, priest's office before God, in order of his course, so they just rotate through. How many of you know your rotation is okay with God? He can work with your rotation. You don't have to, you don't have to stop the world in order to get you where he, you're supposed to be. According to the custom of the priest's office, it was his lot to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of people were praying um, outside at the time of incense. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. Now, that's just a a human flesh response, amen, to something holy. But the angel said to him, fear not, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard. Your prayer is heard. What prayer? Your prayer you prayed when you was young. Your prayer you prayed when you and Elizabeth and you asked God for children. You petitioned God for what was yours according to God's promise in the covenant. So that prayer is heard. He said is, not was. Is heard. The nice thing about God is whenever you pray, he hears it all the time. He hears it when you pray it. He hears it the next day. He hears it every day until it comes to pass. He's mindful. You understand? It, it's in his mind all the time. He's mindful of what he's given us and what he's promised us. He's mindful of his word. 
So he's still hearing their prayer, the way they prayed it, the fervor that they had, the maybe the desperation in their voices, the desire, the faith. He heard it all. It's all been banked up in God. He said, your prayer is heard and your wife Elizabeth shall bear you a son and you shall call his name John. Amen. Zacharias is kind of dumbfounded. Amen. Prayed and forgot about it a long time ago. Sometimes God's waiting for you to forget about some things that you prayed about. Amen. Sometimes forgetting is a sign of peace. That it's not on your mind all the time. It's not bugging you. It's not you're not obsessed with it. Amen. And so he he tells him and he just goes on to speak to him about the son that they're going to have. He said, you'll you'll have joy and gladness. Amen. So when this was probably part of their prayer, God, we want to have the same joy we see other parents have that are having children. Amen. You you promise us things so our joy can be full. So when God brings the promise, he brings the desire that you had for that state of being that the promise would bring into your life. You don't have something too late to enjoy it. I don't care what it is. God ain't like that. What kind of God would sit up and let somebody get old and then bless them and they not enjoy what he brings all that with him? Amen. He said, the promise is a package deal. Whatever you thought that promise was going to bring to you in your young years is going to bring to you now. It's going to be on a different scale. Now think about it. This couple, when they were younger, probably looked at other people interacting with their children and thought it would be nice to go out and play with little Johnny and, you know, have him in the schoolyard with all the other kids and you know, all that, you know, and the, uh, uh, you know, baby seat in the back, baby on board and all that kind of stuff, all that little fun stuff. I know. When God brings it to you, holy person, it's going to have a whole different slant on it. Amen. So God will wait sometimes until a vessel can mature to the point that your joy matches God's joy about it. See, very few people match God's joy in the things that they receive from God. We get them. We enjoy them. We use them. They're used up. We have problems. We have this. We have that. But very seldom do we get things in the timing where it matches God's joy exactly. And so God wants people in the earth that he can use in that fashion So that the joy that God wants to have at John being born is the same joy that the parents have. See, God ain't interested in them going out buying little tricycles for John. John going to be too busy learning how to prophesy. Come on, y'all. Come on. Let's get real serious here. Children are God's inheritance. Now, you receive them, you tend them, but it's, a, it's good to find out, well, God, what are my children? 
I mean, don't be scared to ask. Most people are a little afraid of finding out purpose and stuff for children before they even get here in the womb, before the womb, all that kind of stuff. You're afraid you won't be able to live up to expectation, how to raise them, all that kind of stuff. There are a lot of concerns. But when God stops your ability to do something that everybody else can do and he reserves you for him, he's going to match everything for his purpose into your life. So you will be so changed that only God's purpose in your life is important. Amen. And that's all. That's all he wants. So he tells the, 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 the angel begins to speak to Zacharias about the child they're going to have. He says, you, you know, you're going to have joy and gladness. I mean, that's not going to be robbed from you anymore. I know you had some tough years. People, you watch people enjoy their children. You didn't have any. God's going to make that up to you. He's going to increase your joy. So you're going to have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. How many? Many. More many than you could count. Amen? For most parents, their their joy in their children is a personal thing. You know, you might have a you know a few relatives that, oh, yeah, the baby, let me come over and see the baby. But it's not many. Here, wherever God withholds something from you or restricts your ability or makes you pay a price for something, he increases what you get out of it over and above what you would have in a normal circumstance. He makes it real easy for you. Amen. Why? Because you've allowed him to come into your life and inconvenience your life. In such a way, I mean, Elizabeth tried, they tried to have children, but God had shut up her womb, period, none. Amen. And so for somebody to be compelled to make that kind of sacrifice, God always rewards you even more. But it's a kingdom reward. You got to be a king. You got to be in the kingdom to appreciate. And maybe sometimes it takes people to get to that age before they begin to appreciate the things of God enough to know God wants to use me like this. God wants me to participate in something much bigger. And so I can say it was worth the sacrifice. Amen. When God calls you, compels you to sacrifice, you can never stand before him and say it was not worth it. Amen. He makes sure you don't have that idea, that attitude, that confession. You don't have any of that. Amen. And so he tells him he will be great in the sight of God. Many people will rejoice at his birth. He'll be great in the sight of the Lord. He will drink neither wine nor strong drink. So he's called of God from the womb and will be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. Now, this is world changing because children weren't born like that. You know, the the Bible says before I, I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you and I ordained you. You can be ordered and ordained, but you don't get filled. Being spirit filled was new. Never happened before. So is it worth it? You ask Zacharias and you ask Elizabeth, is it worth it? He says, and many of the children of Israel will turn to the Lord their God, and he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah 
to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And so all of this comes spilling out in Zacharias's ears and he's dumbfounded. He's stunned. Probably the first thing he he wonders is what took you so long, God? Amen. <laughs> when you've been believing for something and you prayed and believed and just let go of it and over the period of years. Thank God he holds on to our prayers. Because many times people get a certain age, they don't care anymore. You know, they say, well, we got too old and, you know, that's over and but it's, you know, and. And so God has to revive him, has to put new desire in him, has to put new word in him to show him God intended to bless you with a child all along. But he wanted something from you in order in other words can you obey god be a devout christian whether you get what you want or not can you still follow god even though you look odd to people you understand what i'm saying you don't fit the normal profile of what a devout christian would be amen and so you got to understand that god calls people to a different walk sometimes because he needs something from them If he wants the world changed, he's got to have people he can depend on to change the world. Amen. People who serve him and keep going. And so this is very important that that you understand. God doesn't just come to any and everybody for certain things when he has need. He will come to people who have proven their devotion to him, proven they're still serving him, proving they love him. All of those things, and they don't falter in it. So that when difficult things come with the promise he gave you, you're already established and I ain't going nowhere. I'm going to continue to serve God. I'm not, I don't need to change a whole lot. I've already changed to conform to the image that God put before me to conform to. And so I'm ready to go, God, whatever. And so Zacharias is taking all of this in and he's telling him about his son is going to come in the spirit and the power of Elijah. He's going to be (laughs) spirit filled from his mother's womb. And Zacharias said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am old and I'm an old man and my wife is well stricken in years. How am I going to know? Give me a sign. Tell me something. I'm in unbelief. I'm teeter on the edge here. I'm looking at the natural. So the angel tells him, he says, I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God, and I'm sent to you to speak to you and show you these, what? Glad tidings. And you ain't glad. God comes to us sometimes with good news. Is it, God has been waiting for this. Are you kidding me? You know, not that time bothers him, but this is something important to God. And Zechariah is doubting. He says, how, how am I going to know? Instead of rejoicing that your prayer is answered, that should have been number one. 
and God's given what you prayed for. Aren't we all waiting to be happy so when God gives us something so we can get happy? Well, Zacharias, how come you ain't happy? Hmm. And he says, I'm sent to speak to you and show you these glad tidings. In other words, Zacharias, you're a priest. You're a man of God. You know the scriptures. You know what the Bible says about the Messiah. You know about the voice crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. That's who your son is going to be. And you should be rejoicing. But if you're not rejoicing, then we're going to have to fix you. Huh? He's already, God's already chosen him. God's not going back on his word. God's already positioned his wife Elizabeth to be John the Baptist's mother. He's chosen these parents. But the reaction in the father is not one that matches God's excitement about what's about to happen. So the dad's got to get fixed. Amen. And so he tells him, behold, how are you going to know it? I'm going to tell you how you're going to know it. He said, you won't be able to speak until the day that these things are performed because you're not believing my words, but they will be fulfilled in their season. Hey! And the Bible tells you if you don't believe God is faithful anyway, he can't deny himself. You got it right here. See, we're scared of that scripture because we're scared of admitting we don't believe God for certain things. But here you got a vessel chosen of God for a certain task, and he's not shaped up to the point where God can trust him to talk. So God shuts up his mouth. But he's chosen anyway. You know, some of us think we're waiting on to be perfect before God will do certain things. I got news for you. If if he wouldn't do it, in if he's not using us, there's nobody else he can use, perfect or not. So he has to fix us in some way to make us vessels who are fit for the master's use. So John needs to be, I mean, Zacharias needs to be fixed. So the the angel tells him, he says, this will be a sign to you, John. He says, you're going to be dumb and unable to speak until this baby is born because it's on the way. This is a done deal. Amen. So all you got to do, you're going to know that you won't be able to talk and say anything until after this baby is born. Now, why why take his talking away? Because it's easy to do. It ain't easy to do. No easier than anything else. Amen. Because his faith is working to reverse what God's doing. See, unbelief, when it's spoken and expressed, can do a lot of damage to what God has set up. This man's a high priest. He's also anointed. His words have more power. His words have influence and weight in the spirit. So he's going to have to. That's why we watch our confession. If you want something from God, you can't talk both ways about it. You got to talk one way or not at all. So we do this to ourselves. So this is not something unique and unusual, but it is unusual in the context of what God is doing here. Because when Zacharias comes out, 
people know something has happened to him because he's opening his mouth and trying to speak, but he can't say anything. Amen. So God will get you to the place where you can't mess up what he's about to do. I don't care how many mistakes you make on the road getting there. He'll get you to the place where it's set. It's a done deal. It's coming. Whether you cooperate or not, whether you're happy about it or not, you can be confused and perplexed about it. But it's coming anyway. Once God sets it in order, it's a due season for it to happen in your life. It's happening. Amen. And God will fix you so that you don't hinder what he's doing too much. Amen. He'll take words away from you. I found sometimes I was getting ready to say something I shouldn't say. You know, and tongue got stuck. You understand what I'm saying? Now, I was thankful. I said, well, God, I thank you. I didn't have to repent and come and asking you for forgiveness for something else. Amen. And so God will help our unbelief. This is helping his unbelief. He said, you don't believe me. But that ain't a problem. We're going to fix that. Amen. And so the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he tarried so long in the temple. When he came out, he couldn't speak to them. And they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he remained speechless. And it came to pass as soon as the days of his, his service were over at the temple, he went to his own house. And in those days, his wife conceived. He got that part right. I mean, praise God. I guess he said, well, I ain't talking. I better remember what this angel told me and get with the program. Amen. And so it says she conceived and, and, and she began to rejoice. She got it right. And she said, thus the Lord, she And after those days, his wife, Elizabeth, conceived and hid herself five months, saying, Thus has the Lord dealt with me in the days wherein he looked on me to take away my reproach among men. Amen. That's a small thing. You understand what I'm saying? God takes care of the small things that bother us as well. See, the big thing is getting John into the earth, getting the right parents, the right time, all the major players lined up. And able to cooperate. You know how many times we too busy to, to pray and read our Bible or listen to the Lord or anything like that? You know, you could be a major player if you get yourself a system where you got God number one all the time. You know, think about it. I mean, he could say these things to anybody. So then the angel keeps it moving. Amen. Verse 26 In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came into her and said, Hail, Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that was for my Catholic friends. Amen. How many of them is on a rosary? Like five? Ten. I mean, yeah, but you know, in the little, yeah, ten in a section. Yeah. See, I skipped every, I just did every other one. So, oopsie. (laughs) Mea culpa. (laughs) 
You are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying. Now, she had pretty much the same response Zacharias had. They were scared. And she was thinking in her mind, what is he talking What? Why is he talking to me? He said, blessed and highly favored. You mean me? Huh? See, when it's real, you are shocked. This ain't just the blessed and highly favored you tell somebody when they ask you, Hey, how you doing? Blessed and highly favored. We ain't talking about that. We talking about the real blessed and highly favored. Amen. That comes from God. When God says it, it's true. And he said, blessed are you among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and was thinking in her mind, what kind of, what's he talking? What kind of, what kind of, a, you know, greeting is this? And he said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And he keeps going. And behold, you shall. You see, angels don't wait to see what your reaction is before they go on. They got a message. I mean, they better at it than we are. Because they they stand in the presence of God all the time. All they know is what God told them to do. And they get the job done. He's not waiting to see what her response is. He didn't wait on Zacharias either. He just spits it out. And behold, you shall conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great and he shall be called the son of the highest and the Lord shall give unto him the throne of his father David. Now she's a Hebrew girl and she knows the scriptures. She knows this has been prophesied about the Messiah, and she's the one. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, how shall this be, seeing I know not a man? Um, questions. Again, Zacharias asked, huh? Mary asked, Zacharias got a demerit or he got an X beside his name, and Mary about to get a check mark. How's this different than what Zacharias? In in Jewish history, old people had babies. Come on now. Abraham and Sarah. Then you got Hannah. We don't know quite how old she was. But God would shut up a woman's womb and they would have children in old age for God's purposes. There was faith around for that. So Zacharias being a priest and knowing the scriptures should have had faith for that. But he was in unbelief. What we talking about with Mary, this ain't never happened before. This is going to be a show enough miracle. Now, I know some sisters probably tried that story with some people. I'm talking right, Poppy, or I'm naughty again, or naughty or nice. I don't know. Christmas is coming up. What you talking about? You know what I'm saying. We won't even go there. Huh? 
I'm not going to even say what I was getting ready to say because I said that one so many times. I didn't mean to. What did you mean to do? So he says, she said, how how is this? I don't, you know, I'm a virgin, not married, expoused to somebody, which is going to be a whole other issue, but we won't go there. And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon you and the power of the highest shall overshadow you. Therefore, also that holy creature or creation which shall be born of you shall be called the son of God. So God's going to be your baby's father by the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, she believes God can do anything. So that settles it with her. She had no more questions. He said, and behold, your cousin Elizabeth, she is also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren for with God, nothing shall be impossible. So here we have a new impossibility being conquered in the birth of Jesus. Amen. God's calling card is that he breaks open something new. When he starts something new, he brings new revelation. He brings new understanding. He might even bring a new song, a new form of worship, something like that. But his calling card is to make something new, bring something new into the equation that has never been done before. So in order to get Jesus, the son of God, into the earth, he has to have a human mother, but not an earthly father. Amen. And so Mary then uh goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth so favor with God Mary is another one that is like Zacharias and like Elizabeth she lives for God he says she's highly favored of God that means that she's um, a good Jewish girl she obeys the law she does everything this this is not the time to get some brand new born again person to come and do something extraordinary for God you know God will you he will season you as you go But he has to pick people that he knows are going to be faithful, going to be consistent, not going to get mad if they don't get this prophecy or that. You know what I'm saying. Those people get weeded out so fast. And God loves them and they're his people, but they can't. You have to be blessed and highly favored and chosen. You've got to live a life that that will, will put you in that category. Amen. You got to live a faithful, consistent life. She wasn't doing it to qualify as as the mother of, of the Messiah. That was her lifestyle. She would have done it anyway. You know, if God told her to, to, you know, clean up, you know, whatever in the synagogue after they were done, she'd have done that. Do you understand what I'm saying? She says to the angel, and he, he says, um, let me think. Oh, at the end of this, with God, nothing shall be impossible. And verse 38, Mary said this, behold, the handmaid of the Lord, let it be unto me according to your word. And the angel departed. That was all he had. That's all he needed to hear from her was let it be unto me. I'm not going to fight this. I want God's will. Let this happen for me. Even though there's anybody that could think about it knows she's in for a rough time. She didn't think about that. She figured God can handle her rough time just like he handled her good time. Amen.
So she's promised something impossible, but she believes God and conceives by the Holy Ghost a one and only occurrence that ever happened. And Mary is the recipient of it, and she allows that to happen to to her. Let it be unto me according to your word. Amen. So Mary goes to visit Elizabeth, and the, the angel's prophecy comes to pass about John because John, uh, uh, when when Mary began to speak to Elizabeth, in verse 44 it says, For lo, as soon as the voice of your salutation sounded in my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. Amen. So she's six months pregnant. That's a baby. That's not a bunch of cells and that's not a fetus. That's a baby. Amen. That's a baby. You know, Christians get backed into a corner. Well, proved it is a baby. I'll take you to the scriptures. That's the best proof you can ever give anybody. Amen. And it was a baby before six months. She said, and blessed is she that believe for there will be a performance of those things which the Lord were told what told her from the Lord. So Elizabeth then prophesies to Mary. Why is this important? You, you're handling business for God. It's important you keep yourself around godly people who can reinforce what God has told you. You don't get involved with the things of God and then run off and tell some strangers and carnal people, oh, guess what, girl? I'm going to have a baby and it's God. And it's, Shut up. You don't tell that to nobody. She said, let it be unto me according to your word. Mary was one of those people, and this was something that was true about her throughout her life. What would what, they say about her? She kept those things in her heart. She pondered them in her heart. She was a discreet woman. She didn't have to go tell everybody everything. And so then we see where where Mary is 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 with Elizabeth. They begin to prophesy one to another. So the Holy Spirit comes upon her with the gift of prophecy. Verse 57, Elizabeth's full time came that she would be be delivered and brought forth a son. And her neighbors and her cousins heard how the Lord had showed great mercy upon her and they rejoiced with her. So here this prophecy is coming to pass. When God says something's going to happen, it's going to happen to the minutest detail. Amen. You don't see anybody around these people say, oh, boy, them old people. No, them people is gone. You know, you can't keep a bunch of negative people in an atmosphere of rejoicing and miracles. That spirit, the spirit of the miracle working power will put conviction on anybody that ain't right. It'll straighten them out in a hurry. And says it came to pass on the eighth day they came to circumcise him. And and they called him Zacharias after the name of his father. And his mother answered and said, oh, no, he shall be called John. And they said to her, ain't nobody in your family called John. Where that name come from? Amen. John ain't his daddy. Why are we calling him John? And they said to her, there's none of his kindred. And they made signs to Zacharias how he would have him called. And asked for a writing table and wrote saying his name is John. And they marveled and his mouth opened immediately. According to the word of God, the Lord said, you're going to be dumb until this boy is born. And immediately when he's born and he has an opportunity to name him, his tongue is loosed and he spake and praised God. 
and fear came on all that dwelt round about them, and all that says this on all these sayings were noised abroad throughout the hill of Judea, and they said that we have heard strange things. What manner of child will this be? When God is getting ready to do something good, he prepares the hearts of necessary people. He'll prepare the hearts of people who are around you. He will get you into the company of people who can encourage what it is that he has you doing, will encourage your gifting, encourage your learning, who will support you and push you forward, not want to shackle you and hold you back. And so when God begins to release these things in the earth, he starts to develop a circle of believers around the situation. He said people are going to rejoice when he's born. There'll be great gladness around him. And God kept his word. Why would God want that around him? To protect it. Things that are important to God need protecting of people of like precious faith. He's not going to throw this. Why would he send them to the synagogue with the with the snakes and vipers? You understand what I'm saying? He cultivates a culture of people who can support the new work that he's doing in the earth. It's not that people who were in the old move of God, so to speak, can't be involved. But many times they're not going to be involved at the level they expect to be involved. This is why the Pharisees sought to kill Jesus. They weren't involved. All of this went on without their permission, without their control, without their purview. God did sovereign works and used people other than them, the religious establishment. I'm telling you, God does it all the time. He wants to use those people, but many times they want to bring the old system into the new thing. It won't work. So God then puts new life into the earth. He brings a new group of supporters for that life. Those people that were around Zacharias, Mary, Jesus, Joseph. That system remained around them. They were the first people that John preached to. The children of those people around in that audience there were some of the first people John preached his message to. They went out in the desert with them because they knew something good was coming and God was doing something great and something different in the earth. Amen. Why don't we stop? Father, thank you for your word and for understanding. We thank you, Lord, for new things coming into the earth. We thank you, Lord, for prophecy that declares new things. Let us be mindful to keep our hearts and ears and and minds open to what you're doing in the earth, Father, because it's extraordinary. You've already told us that. We're just looking for it, Father. Not waiting, but we're looking. We're anticipating good from the hand of God. So I thank you, Lord, that those who are within the sound of my voice are chosen to hear your messages about what you're doing in the earth and you're completing your cycle of, of uh, the, the uh, church age and, and what we're doing in this age and winding up the work of, of the gospel in the earth, Father, that we might bring many souls into your kingdom. And we thank you for that. And we bless you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen again. Amen. Um, Anybody needs prayer, come on up for prayer. Praise God.
Those of you who are watching on the internet, I want you to stretch your hands forth to the screen, whatever device you're using, and receive the blessings of the name of Jesus. Receive his goodness in your mind, in your heart, in your voice, in your talk, in your expectation. Father, I, I declare everything that's wrong is flipped to right. Every expectation of bad flipped to good. Every expectation of loss flipped to prosperity. Every expectation of good. Come to us now. In the name of Jesus. And I bless you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. you to expect good. I mean, all the time. Expect good. Even when bad is happening around you, it won't come, it won't enter into your world. And we need more expect, expectors of good, you know, everywhere. In the church, your workplace, wherever. You are the one that he is counting on to change that atmosphere so that he can work and he'll come up to your expectations. If you expect good, says the Spirit of the Living God. Amen. We do our, our declaration. I don't have Rona, and she don't have me. I can't get Rona, and she can't get me. And Lord, I thank you. By the stripes of Jesus, we are healed. Amen. Amen. And amen again. It's so decreed. Amen. Praise God. Amen. 